today, it's, it's just about time. You know, time's a measurement of change. You get to be my age, and uh, all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's, it's Christmas again. My goodness, you know, it seems like we were, we were ju- just here. Uh, but when you're younger, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, it takes forever for the Christmas season to get here. It takes, for- will Christmas Day ever arrive? Everything that happens in your life, every experience, every interaction, it's mediated by one thing, time. And the word time is the most frequently used noun in the English language. And I don't know of a really, really good definition of time, but here's a pretty good one. Someone has said that time is God's way of keeping everything from happening at once. So if you're taking notes today, first of all, I just want you to know that time is real. And it does belong to God. We talk about real time. And here in the Christmas season, we celebrate the incarnation. That the eternal God in real time and real, and a real place came into our world. And our God is over time, but he meets us in time. And one day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like one day. He stands over it all. But he enters our stories and our history. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 7, people wanted to, uh, they wanted to, they had lots of questions and they wanted answers on timing matters. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But in the days of our lives, we can know that we are not alone. Let me put some words up here on the screen. We often talk about time, maybe in the past, earlier, earlier than, in the present, simultaneous with, the future, later than. But the Bible also uses the word seasons to think of your time in terms of seasons. Instead of just a string of days, there are seasons that, that you enter into, spend some time in, And then you will exit that season and move along to a next season. There's a passage in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's called the Catalog of Our Times, if you will. And it says this. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And he's about to give you a list, 28 different experiences. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just a representation letting you know that weather-wise there are four seasons, but in your life there will be many more than four. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear, a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Or said another way, one day you're the windshield. One day you're the bug. One day you get torn up. One day you heal up. 
One day you might watch your life come together. Another day you might watch your life fall apart. One day you just can't stop smiling. Another day you just can't stop weeping. One day you just can't stop dancing. Another day you can't stop grieving. One day your house gets built. Another day your house gets sold. One day your loved one walks toward you. Another day your loved one may walk away from you. One day you bring a new thing home. Another day you throw it in the trash. One day you need to open your mouth. And another day you maybe need to keep your mouth closed. One day feels like a vacation. Another day might feel like a battle. But life is seasonal. In and out. But in every season of life, the Lord is with you. And has a purpose. Oz Guinness has written a fantastic book called Carpe Diem. Redeemed. Seize the day in a redemptive way. And he he talks about various viewpoints of time. Let me mention three. One being circular or cyclical. And this is going to be the view of many Eastern religions and was the view of, of, of many people before God informed us about the details of time. And there are still people in our world, and again, Eastern religions are strong in this, where time is circular, it's cyclical. Reincarnation, karma, what goes around comes around. And your um, choices and decisions really are not all that important because everything is just a cycle. There's another view called the chronological view of time, and this is the most common viewpoint in the Western world among people who are not religious. You measure time in terms of chronology, and you need to seize the day. And there are people who have this viewpoint who are optimists they're saying hey we used to be monkeys we used to be apes look at us now (laughs) we're getting better who knows where we'll be in a few billion years and then there are others who are pessimists who are saying oh your life doesn't really matter remember the movie dead poet society you're going to be just food for worms seize the day grab all the gusto you can Go ahead, be selfish. Go ahead, be superficial. That's all right. Eat, drink, be be merry. Why? Because tomorrow you die. Life is just chronology. It's going nowhere, but it's moving on, and and it's getting there fast. So have all the fun and gusto you can. But there's another view of time called the covenantal view. And yes, life is moving on. But it's moving on with a purpose. Life has a destiny. Time has a destination. It's moving somewhere and moving towards someone. And we stand with a God who in the beginning created and who in the last day will bring all things to fulfillment. And get this. And we are invited to partner with him. We get to be co-authors in our lifetime. Our lives do make a difference. 
Our choices do matter. And we get to be a co-author with God during the days of our lives. And so the book of Ephesians would say this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. They move on. So here are some thoughts about Christian time keeping. My first suggestion is make sure you think long term. And yes, when I say long term, I mean you do know the end of the story, and that's fantastic. And because as a believer you do know the end of the story, that gives your today significance and perspective and context. But Guinness in his book also says as believers it's also important that you not get caught up in fads. He says it's astonishing to him how many believers seek to be relevant by becoming faddish. And there's a reminder that as believers, we think long-term. What are the principles that are eternal? What are God's doctrines and values that have roots and legs? And let's make sure that as believers, yes, we know the end of the story, we know the climax of the story, and we know the big rocks of right and wrong, and we hold on to those. But secondly, act incrementally. Because things just don't happen quickly. Change takes time. Growth takes time. Transmitting the gospel from one generation to another takes time. Little by little, inch by inch, day by day, moment by moment, it's the cumulative effect over time. Acts chapter 13, verse 36 says this, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and he was buried with his ancestors. Gang, that's what we're doing. There were those who came before us, and if the Lord tarries, there will be others who will come after us. But what we want to do is serve the Lord in our generation. <laughs> um, a few years ago, I had a chance to be around Gordon McDonald, a very well-known Christian author, sold uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of books. A lot of people know his name. But in that small circle of 10 to 12 of us, he said, I will probably significantly influence only about 10 to 12 people in my life. And he said, how many people will you significantly influence? It's, it's probably going to be smaller than what you think. And we think, well, is, is, that, is that a significant life? Absolutely, it's a significant life. You're serving the purposes of God in your generation. And you just think, with your family with an extended family, a huge difference there, huge difference. And parents, let me just remind you what a gift you have and what a gift your children have during the time where they're at home with you. Parents, let me just say to you again, I think you made a really good choice bringing your children to church today. 
Every Sunday morning, you need to be asking, what's the best use of our time? What's the best use of investing in the lives of my children today? And you do know, may I just remind you, that every child spells love, T-I-M-E. So keep acting incrementally, little by little, day by day, and the cumulative effect over time is significant. Thirdly, embrace grace. Embrace grace. Embrace, embrace specifically the acts of repentance and forgiveness. Because grace makes change possible. Rather than just being on a merry-go-round, nothing will ever change. Nothing will ever get better. You know, most marriages break up because somebody loses hope. Nothing's going to ever get better. Some of you have convinced yourself that, you know, people can't change. People won't change. That's just not true. And if, you, if your life is on a journey, on a trajectory, God has given you the wonderful gifts of repentance and forgiveness. That what happened in the past, yes, it happened. It can't be changed. If I could turn back time, <laughs> I would go back. And, but the irreversible past no longer has to be an inevitable future. With repentance and forgiveness comes wonderful possibilities. Os Guinness, I'm going to quote him here. The past is not dead, but forgiveness and reconciliation can draw the poison out of hate so that the past no longer kills the present, but it liberates it to go forward freely into the future. And through repentance and forgiveness, the poison is prevented from spreading. The ball and chain is broken. Reaction needs no longer follow action. And even before the end of time, the past can be redeemed in part with the evil acknowledged and yet contained. Next, would you live with some risk and uncertainty? Many of us <laughs> look at the world and say, God, can you make sure I don't have any wasted time? Nothing risky. Sometimes when I go to a restaurant, I, I sort of get into a rut. So I say, well, why don't you try something new? Because I'm not sure I want to take the risk. I might not like it as much as I like my usual, and it'll be wasted time and wasted money. But you know what? If you're going to live your life, if you're going to embrace life, embrace time, and live in God's way, in this time, you'll have to take some risks along the way. If you're going to get married, there are no guarantees. If you're going to have children, there are no guarantees. You're going to sign up to be in a small group, there are no guarantees. You're going to volunteer for ministry, there are no guarantees. It might be great fun. You might go through a season where it's a little tedious. You might see wonderful fruit immediately. You might not see much fruit for a, for a while. 
Jesus one time told a story, though, about a guy who said, I just want to play it safe. And so I'm going to take what you've given me, and I'll just go out and bury it. No risk. I'm not going to be vulnerable. But I hope you will embrace the gift of time. Take some flyers. Be involved in good works. Take a risk of serving people. There's no guarantee it's going to be the greatest experience of your life. There's no guarantee they're going to come back and thank you and say you were the most significant influence ever. But you will make a difference. Who knows? In fact, there's a, a scripture um, in the Older Testament. Who knows? Well, let's do some. Who knows what God might do? Who knows how God might show up and touch this? Who knows how God might, might bless that act of generosity? Who knows how God might bless that act of service? And last of all, in Christian timekeeping, you just rely on God. You are a partner with God in the gift of time. You are a partner with God in the gift of your life. You are a co-author of your days with God. And no, we should not be autonomous. Hey, it's all about me. I'm in charge of my life. No. Neither am I overly dependent, just completely let go and let God. But the Bible calls us to a, a sense of responsibility. God is at work, and I rely on him. But I will seek to be his instrument. My choices matter. My life makes a difference, not on a merry-go-round here. You've heard me say before, whatever you do for the Lord, you're not crazy to do it. Every sacrifice dollar, you're not crazy to give it. Every sacrifice ounce of service, you're not crazy to do it. Every sacrifice of praise, it's not a waste of time. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, you know why he says therefore? Because he's just been talking to them about their ultimate destiny. He's been talking to them about the resurrection and how that your resurrection and your eternal life has already been validated by the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. And he says, in essence, therefore, <coughs> since you have not only eternity in your heart, but you have eternity in your destiny, you stand firm <coughs> and let nothing move you. And always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Listen to this. Because you know that your labor is not in vain. You're not on a merry-go-round. You're not on some cycle. Neither are you on a, a journey, a lifetime journey, where you need to seize the day because no one's paying attention and nothing you really do matters. And your life is just a, a pebble that hits a pond and there are a few ripples and then it, it really makes no difference. No, that's not your life. You're in a covenant with God. He's the author of life. It's a gift. And this gift of time 
is where we get to enjoy him and serve him in our generation. May I ask you just a few questions before I close? Some seasons of life questions. First of all, what's God maybe teaching me in this season? And it's okay if you really can't answer that. You may not know. What you can know is that God will use all the seasons of your life to teach you and shape you and train you. You may not always know the lesson. Maybe the lesson is, is that you learn is simply in this season, I'm just taught afresh to depend on the Lord, to rely on the Lord. That when, that when the Lord's all you have, and artificial supports are maybe taken away, you realize what a treasure he is. Secondly, am I needlessly stuck? Needlessly stuck. And here are two ways I commonly see this. You can be needlessly stuck in bitterness. And you just, you've not moved on. You got betrayed or thought you were betrayed or something happened that went south and you are still stuck in a fire-breathing season of bitterness and it has worn you out and it's been a poison in your soul and it is time to move on to draw a line in the sand and say Holy Spirit help me. Today's the day I move on. I've got to leave this season. There's nothing more to gain here. And some of you, you're stuck in beating yourself up. In this Christmas season, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating our Savior. And let me break it to you. You need a Savior. And the reason you need a Savior is because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, says the, says the Bible. But Jesus Christ is worthy to be our Savior, and He came because we need one. Our God, who is eternal and is transcendent from us, steps into our world because he loves us and he gives us permission to accept and receive his forgiveness i've been asked over the years many times ronnie how can i forgive myself my number one answer is this you have to accept and embrace god's forgiveness to you and he gives you permission to receive it and to move on into a new season of effectiveness and service for him. And then maybe one more quick question, how can I help others in this season of life? Because you do have something to offer to another one. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. You know the best day to become a Christian? This day. This day. You know the best day to invite the Lord for refreshing in the Holy Spirit? 
It's this day, now, this time. John 16, says this, In this world you will have trouble, but you take heart because I have overcome the world. In other words, your life is not a merry-go-round. And you're not just some on, on some chronological pathway on your own. No, you are on a journey to an eternal destiny. And what you experience now, you'll not always experience. And what you think is winning now will not always win. You know the end of the story. You know God's story. You know that he reigns and you win by the blood of the Lamb. So encourage your own hearts. Dive into the wonderful story of Jesus. Be immovable in your service to the Lord because you know that whatever you do for Christ, you give a child a cup of cold water, you go do your job with integrity, you love your family, you raise your children well, it is not in vain.